0: This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Well, good morning. I am thrilled that you've made the decision to be with us here and uh, to be with us online to connect with what we're doing. We're entering into a new series, a new series entitled Brave, and I can't think of a better example to get us going. That little pug. Wasn't that awesome to watch that little French bulldog take on the bears? Uh, inspirational, not only making us chuckle by what we see, but also maybe uplifting our hearts to see wait a minute, uh, it's not the size of the dog, but the fight in the. Anyway, I just messed that whole up completely. Point is, is that a uh, little French bulldog serves as a reminder, as a example of the theme that we're going to be talking about through this series. It's amazing that uh, we had no clue what we would be going through uh, this month when we started putting together our plans, prayerfully uh, seeking God to guide us through what we'll be talking about. And I, I just think it's so appropriate that we're coming to having a conversation about being brave. Having a conversation about living by, and I'm gonna use the cliche here living by faith and not by fear. And uh, specifically, we're gonna be talking about what it means to be brave in our faith, having a bold faith. And our plan is to work through the story of the early church. We'll have a number of examples, five examples where we'll be looking to the testimony, to the witness, to the brave demonstration of faith by early Christians through the book of Acts through the book of Acts, and so if you are one who likes to kind of read ahead, I encourage you to open up the book of Acts, start in chapter 1, and just start reading the story of the establishment of the church, and what you're going to find is all these examples of individuals who demonstrated brave faith. Brave faith, uh, really far more inspiring to me than a little French bulldog chasing off three bears. Today we begin with uh, looking at an individual that you may be familiar with. If you have read Bible stories, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus, you may know uh, of this guy named Peter. Peter was one of the leaders of the apostles. He was one of the twelve, but he was also one of the special three that Jesus had amongst the twelve, and you get the sense when you read through scriptures that he was like the leader of the group. He was the spokesperson, the spokesman for the apostles. But Peter, when you look at his life and you look at his testimony, what he did and how he demonstrated uh, his faith... When you see early on in the stories of the Gospels, when you read about Peter, what you see is Peter was one of those guys that was quick to speak, quick to make boast, but really slow to cash in. I mean, my kids, I don't know about, do you have a kid that you know when he's rolling his eyes when you're talking to him on the phone, even though you can see it? You, can't, you have a kid like that, you know what I'm talking about, you're like, don't roll your eyes. You can, well, I think Peter was one that everyone rolled their eyes at whenever he said something, right? He would make this grandiose thing, and everyone would be like, yeah, yeah, right ever, Peter. We know what's going to happen. You're not going to come through. You know, this is really captured in the story on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Uh, the Thursday night before they were about to take Passover, Jesus shared with his, his closest friends, he said, Look, I'm, I'm heavy burdened. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm about to go to Jerusalem, and I'm, we're going to go, and I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to get crucified. And Peter was the first one to say, Oh, uh, no way. I'm not going to do that. In fact, he said, I got my concealed carry. He showed him his sword, right? He's like, here's my concealed carry. No one's going to mess with you, Jesus, right? And so what happens? Uh, Jesus is arrested. Crowd comes along. Peter whips out the sword, and he's like, you get the sense that he's not really aiming at anybody. He's just like flailing, lops off the ear of, of a servant, of the high priest, and Jesus heals that. But in the meantime, Jesus, Peter lops off the ear, but what is he doing? He's lopping off the ear in fear because he's running. Instead of standing up and fighting for Jesus as He promised, instead of demonstrating bravery, He did what He always did, all bark and no bite, all brag and no carry-through. And so we find out that Peter runs away when Jesus is arrested, and then he does a little circle back, right? Maybe he feels ashamed. He wants to see what's going on. He follows the crowd, and Jesus goes to, to court, to the house of the high priest, and, and, and Peter's in the courtyard there warming himself with everyone else, and someone says, Hey, aren't you, like, aren't you with that guy, Jesus? Aren't you with that guy, Jesus? And we find out what happens, right? He denies Jesus as Jesus predicted, not just once, three times. Three times. Talk about emphasis, right? If you want to make a point, what do they say? Say it three times. Well, Peter says, I don't even know the dude. Three times, and he runs off brokenhearted. That's Peter. All brag, but no carry through. You know, you look at the life of Peter before Jesus was resurrected from the dead. You look at the life of Peter in the story that we have in the Gospels, and while you might say, as, as readers, you read it and you go, Peter, <laughs> roll your eyes. Truth is, is that Peter represents me. And I'm sure he represents you in many ways. We talk a big game on Sunday morning about our faith. We talk about, oh, I was so pumped up by the sermon. Oh, I was so motivated by the sermon. But then we get into life on Monday and we don't want to say something because we're afraid that saying something for Jesus might cause a stir at work. We might get into trouble possibly with HR. We talk about sin and we say we want sin to be preached against, but then when, when we become aware of a friend who's, who's sinning, uh, we don't say anything to that friend because we're afraid. We're afraid. We talk about making a stand And we talk about doing things for God, yet when the opportunity comes to do something where we show love to another, when we have an opportunity to be uh, hands and feet of Christ, to sacrifice, to give, we fail to do it because we don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to have the hassle. We don't want to have someone messing with our lives. And as we figure out how we're to live our faith in these times, as we figure out that faith is more than just Sunday morning during this pandemic season. As we realize that we have to demonstrate our faith in our day-to-day, this message is so appropriate. How do we live a brave faith? How do we live for God? Because in Scripture, we have words like the word shared by Paul, another apostle, to his apprentice, Timothy, who was a young man in the faith. Paul said to Timothy, Hey, Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of what? Timidity, of fear. But instead, God gives us a spirit of power. The word power means dunamis, action. A spirit of love, sacrificing yourself for the benefit of another. A spirit of self-control. A spirit that says, I'm going to overcome that which is natural to me in order to honor God. See, the spirit of God that, that we have been blessed with isn't a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of courage that is to motivate us to a brave faith. And so let's get back to Peter. Because if you're familiar with the story of Peter, you realize that Jesus was crucified, he was buried, he came back to life. And it's amazing when Jesus appeared first to the, to the ladies who came to uh, take care of him in the tomb. One of the first messages from from the angel was, hey, go back and tell who? The disciples and Peter. And what you find is that when Jesus interacts with Peter, what he does is that he, he forgives him of his sin of abandonment, and he reinstates him, saying, you're my guy, Peter, you're my guy, and I will help you live a brave faith by sending you a resource that will bring to you things that are not natural, but instead supernatural, that will help you live in a way that honors me, will help you live in a way that fulfills your brag, so that you will have bark and you will have bite when it comes to living for God, the Holy Spirit. If you remember, Jesus said after he went back to the Father, he told his disciples, hey, dudes, maybe he didn't say dudes, but he said, hey, guys, go back to Jerusalem and wait there for the Holy Spirit that I'm about to send to you. And so they went back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was packed with pilgrims once again. You had the Feast of the Passover. That was the the feast by just that everyone had gathered in which Jesus was crucified. But 50 days later, you had the feast called Pentecost. And so the whole town of Jerusalem was filled with people from all over the world. While they were Jews, they were folks that they came from different parts that spoke different languages. And it says that the, the, the apostles were all together there waiting, waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. And they were together in a house. And all of a sudden, there was a sound that sounded like a, like a rushing wind. And, and what appeared to be like fire came down and, and touched each one of the apostles. And they began, as they were filled with the Spirit, to speak and they began to speak a message of Jesus in a language that they had not heard, they had not learned. This ruckus gathered a crowd around, and all of a sudden the people are witnessing this, and they're like, wow, these guys are, saying, are speaking. They're obviously country bumpkins from Galilee. You know, for us it would be like, they're obviously from Kentucky, Right? O'Brown County, I don't know, but they're obviously country bumpkins from Galilee. How is it they can learn, they've learned to speak all these languages that we're hearing that, that are our native tongue from the countries we come from. How is it they learn to speak? And some of them said, well, they're obviously drunk, and that's when Peter stands up. And that's when you see this transformation that has happened from one who operated out of fear, was all talk but no action, and all of a sudden now steps up. One who who had had run away from danger to save his life now becomes one who runs towards danger with a message of life. And Peter stands up and he begins to preach. He first says, hey, dudes, it's too early to be drinking. (laughs) It's too early in the morning. Come on. And then he explains what's happening. He said, this is what God promised in the prophets. It's the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that He promised in the prophets that you are all aware of, and the means by which this is happening is through Jesus. You remember Jesus? Now, you've got to understand that more than likely, the mob that shouted, crucify Him, crucify Him, when Jesus was, was, was crucified, that mob, remember that in the story? This is more than likely many of the same people because, you know, if they're coming for the Passover, traveled so far, why wouldn't they stay a month in Jerusalem and, and catch the, the Pentecost feast, right? And so this is the same mob. And all of a sudden, Peter's saying, yeah, you remember that guy, Jesus? You knew about him. You knew what he'd done. You knew the miracles that he performed. You knew that God was with him. And then you went ahead and authorized, encouraged the Romans to crucify him. Well, this Jesus is the Messiah that we've all, as Jews, have been waiting for. And you crucified him. You sent him to his execution. But God raised him from the dead. God defeated death in His resurrection. And now, because of this, His Holy Spirit has come upon us, and there's a way that we can be right with God through Jesus. And Let's catch the end of this, this, this sermon that, that Peter preaches in boldface. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Here's what it says. It says, this is Peter talking, right? He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord, Lord, ruler, the boss, number one king of kings, and Messiah, the means by which we can have salvation. Verse 37, when the people heard this, the crowds, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, repent, make a decision to turn your life around And to to stop the path that you're going, by, that you're headed towards, and turn your life to God. Repent and be baptized, be immersed, be dunked, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, the promise is for you, the Jews, and for your children, and here it is, this is something that should make you smile because this is for you and me, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, it says in verse 40, with many other words, He warned them. He warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. Were immersed. About three thousand were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Wow! I don't know about you, but I, I got to tell you that's a lot more impressive to me, knowing the backstory of Peter, than that little French bulldog. Are yeah, you with me on that? Right? That's a lot more impressive. Here's a man that, that was well known. Whenever he said he was going to do something, I'm sure all his buddies were like, Right, Peter, right. Right? He, he, was, he was one that promised a lot but delivered very few. Yet all of a sudden, he's the one that's standing up against the very people that were after his blood, really. Jesus and his followers, they were after his blood, and he calls them out and says, you guys have killed the Messiah. Talk about brave faith. Talk about boldness. And the question I have to ask is, well, then how did that happen? What does the Scripture story tell us as to what, how that happened so that we might have clues that can apply to our own life. As a Jesus follower, how am I to live by brave faith? How am I to live in a way that is not by a spirit of timidity, but instead by the Holy Spirit that gives us power, action, love, and self-control? How, how does that happen? Well, let, let's just kind of break this down. There, there, there are three observations that I think are very important to have in this. First of all, we need to realize that brave faith does not come from personal fortitude. Now, we have a tendency to think whenever we see an act of bravery, we start to focus on the individual as if they have something within them that makes them brave, right? We see the the French bulldog and say, well, that little French bulldog so ornery, it must be a spoiled brat because it's not afraid of anybody, blah, 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 right? And we see an act of bravery by an individual, and we figure, oh, that must be because that individual has some talent, some something within them that motivates them to this action of bravery that that they go beyond themselves and overcome their fears and speak out in courage. Well, what we see is that in Peter's life, his bravery was not from personal fortitude because whenever he acted out of his own resources, whenever he acted out of his own power, his own will, by his own wants, he failed. When push comes to shove... He didn't deliver because he didn't have what it took to live out a brave faith. You know, that, that happens with us too. So many times we, we, I, it's important, you know, Arlen Howard has been, been reminding us in staff meetings. He's, he's been saying this. He's been saying, you know, motive matters to God. Motive matters to God. The why you do what you do matters to God. And if you are trying to live out your faith, motivated by uh, relying on your own personal fortitude, I want to be good enough. I want I to get everybody's kudos. I want to have uh, a certainty about the way I think things should be. That, that's what and so I'm, I'm going to go after that. I mean, let's be honest. This whole crisis thing has, has really forced a question And the question is, is what does living for God look like in this country? Too many of us have placed the American dream, the way we think we should live in America, we've placed that as an idol that we live for with a little Jesus on top. A little Jesus in there just to, to make it churchy. But it's not what God has called us to do, but instead it's what we think we should have in our world. And if you live by that motivation, if you strive to live a faith that's bold for God, you're going to come up empty. You're going to come up short. You're going to fail. It's not going to work. That's what Peter's story tells us. Brave faith does not come from personal fortitude. What we see in the story of Peter is that the, the resource for this brave faith, for this transformation, was a resurrected Jesus who gave a gift, and that gift was the Spirit of God. And so brave faith comes from being open to the Holy Spirit, being open to the gift that God gives us. In other words, when we're made right with God through faith, we're transformed into being now not an enemy of God, but a child of God and living for God He provides us resources to fulfill that life, and it's called the Holy Spirit. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible, and many times in our thinking, we think, well, this is our personal inventory. We ask questions like, Well, what are your gifts? What are your gifts? To me, that's a wrong approach. That's not a biblical approach. Spiritual gifts aren't a matter of personal inventory. A spiritual gift by definition is something that you receive that's outside of yourself that motivates you to do something that you couldn't do on your own. And so if we want to live by the Spirit, we have to live by what the Spirit provides us, a resource that doesn't come from us, but is supernatural in its origins. See, Peter's transformation occurred when he was filled with the Spirit. Peter was doing things we know, we know that he, he wasn't doing before the Spirit came into his life. And in fact, we find out when, when he's standing before the ruling council, when he's standing before the, the, the bigwigs of his country, the leaders of his country, the religious leaders, they're amazed. Why are they amazed? Because these men are uneducated and unlearned. Fishermen from Galilee, country bumpkins, and yet They're saying things. They're standing up for things. They're absolutely amazing. They're living out a brave faith that is unbelievable. You see, only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we truly be salt and light in our communities, that we can truly be difference makers in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our work. It's not a matter of personal talent and personal fortitude. It's a matter of being resourced by the Spirit. And if we're really interested in pursuing what God provides us in living out a brave faith in our communities, doing things that we know we wouldn't do on our own, the question is not how do I have a brave faith. The real question needs to be this. How am I open to the Holy Spirit? How am I open to the Holy Spirit? Notice this. What were the apostles doing before the Spirit came? The Bible says it. They were waiting. They were in a posture of waiting, submission. They were seeking to hear from God in a time... In and, and, and a time when they were anxious, they, they didn't go out and do things on their own. No, they were waiting. And the question of how can I be open to the Spirit is really captured in this concept of, of habits that force us to wait on God. So my wife was uh, reading in bed. We were reading, and uh, she was preparing for a Bible study that she's a part of. She was going to lead it. A uh, Bible studies from Kyle Eidelman called The End of Me, and uh, she meets with a number of moms, young moms. They meet and they go through the study. And so she's working through the, It's a study about the Beatitudes. It's the Sermon on the Mount, how we come to an end of me. It's, it's, it's actually pretty cool. So there's a video that goes along with it. And so, you know, as you're reading and someone's playing a video next to you, you know what happens? You start listening, right? You start listening to the story. And in this lesson that she was preparing, I began to be captivated by the story of a a young lady named Rachel Starr. Rachel says she grew up in the church. She was the daughter of a preacher. She had a heart for people. She was passionate for people. But her experience with the church really disappointed her and so by 16 and 17 she was really disillusioned with church she was disillusioned with how church was happening what she saw in scripture wasn't happening in the church experience that she was in and so 16 and 17 she started to to walk away got married at at, her, at 21 to her sweetheart named Josh they made a decision to to move they they moved to to Florida to pursue careers and so both of them began to to walk, uh, climb up the corporate ladder. Both of them began to pursue life for me. Both of them began to pursue things that, quote-unquote, gave them life. But in truth, she says that the more she pursued, the higher she got, the less she felt fulfilled, the less she, she, she felt like she had life, the more she felt lost and empty. Living in Florida, things were going along, but unknown to her, her husband, Josh, had began to listen to the New Testament on CD in in his car, back and forth to work, and God was at work, in Josh, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, Josh tells her, hey, I've accepted, uh, I'm I'm pursuing this opportunity to be in ministry in New Albany, Albany, Indiana, and so, bada-beam, bada-boom, next thing they know, they're in ministry, and they're serving in ministry in New Albany, Indiana. And Rachel did what she does, what most of us did. She gave herself to to, to pursuing church, and she gave herself to serving ministry. She threw herself in, in many ways, in the same way that she had thrown herself into her career, uh, you know, learning the lesson that if if we still pursue uh, life for me, it's going to end up empty. And so she was pursuing this ministry stuff, but it was still this sense of emptiness, the sense of lostness was with her until she facilitated a study of the story of Esther. And if you're familiar with Esther, Esther is a, is a Jewish girl that becomes the queen that finds out very soon uh, that God had placed her in that, pla- in that position to save the Jews, to save her people. And that story of Esther really captured and all of a sudden she began feeling that God was saying to her, I have a place for you. I have a ministry for you. I have something for you that's uniquely for you. And so she began to pray. She began to, what, we would, what I would say, wait on the Lord. One day she's on the highway, and all of a sudden she passes, uh, I think it was Clarksville, Indiana, and she passes a theater, Theater X, and there's a sense that God says to her, I want you to minister to the women that work in that place. I want you to serve these women who are in the sex industry. Rachel goes home. She shares it with Josh. Josh says, I think that's where where God has called you to do. And then once again, here we go. What happens? She says, we prayed and fasted for a year and a half. What's she doing? She's opening herself up to the Spirit of God. She is waiting on the Lord She's not looking for some big emotional high. She's not, not, you know, jumping right into it, even though it had been confirmed by God and her husband. No, she waited on the Lord a year and a half until the Lord prompted her, now is the time. And so she got together with a group of her friends that had, had a similar passion, and they went into one of these places, and they came up to the bar, and they ordered Coke. And the woman who was a bartender said to them, what are you doing here? I mean, obviously, they looked out of place. She said, this is what what God is. Jesus has called me to love the women that work here. Uh, Would you ladies be open for us bringing you home-cooked meals on a regular basis? The bartender said, "Uh, are you out of your mind? And basically said, get out. Rachel not uh, discouraged, kept at it, and she was there, and she saw, another time she saw this man, and God said, go and talk to this man. And he was, approached this man, and it turned out that this man was the owner of the establishment. She said, look, I've been called by God uh, to love on these women. Would you mind if I brought home-cooked meals to them? Joel dropped, what, are you serious? Yeah, I'm very serious. Sure, why not? So Rachel and her friends began to bring uh, home-cooked meals to these women. And at first, these women were suspicious. These women live in, 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 a, in, a, in an environment where whoever wants something from you, usually wants, is, whoever is kind to you wants something from you. And it took a while to build up trust. But as she began to, week after week, after month after month, began to bring these home-cooked meals to these women, all of a sudden relationships and trust began to form. And what happened was she began to hear their stories, and she began to hear the stories of abuse and fear and and, and tragedy. And she began to to give encouragement and hope over home-cooked meals to women in the sex industry. Struck by what was happening, she began to think about what to call this ministry that was now beginning to form, and she, she was taken by a passage of Scripture where uh, it described the cloak that was placed around Jesus as scarlet, and she thought that was a picture of what was happening, that the cloak that, that was, they used to mock Jesus actually was, was a scarlet robe that was placed around jesus and and that to her in that mind captured exactly what was happening jesus the savior was the means by which uh life could be given and so she had this this thought about scarlet in her mind and she was wrestling with it so she went back to the establishment and uh, she was there and they had their meals to deliver and all of a sudden there was this woman who was definitely obviously acting drunk I mean, very, very drunk, all over the place, acting inappropriately uh, loud. And so uh, Rachel went to her and talked to her and said, what's going on? Turn, come to find out this woman was a mother of five who was at a point of desperation because she had no money to feed her children. And she had heard that if she had go to this establishment, they would pay her so she could feed her kids. But when she found out that part of the pay required her taking her clothes off, she decided to get drunk so that she might have the courage to do it. Well, Rachel began to talk to her and began to to share with her and say, look, we can provide you meals. We can provide you the food that your kids need. Uh, Are you hungry now? Because this woman looked like she was uh, really uh, eyeing the the mac and cheese. She said, absolutely. So she gave her this plate of mac and cheese. And those of you that know about these things, uh, if you're very drunk and all of a sudden you shove down a whole plate of any food you know what's going to happen right well it happened this woman threw up all over all over Rachel and they had to, you know kind of clean it up again more more drama there in the establishment and and this woman started to cry and started to weep and Rachel went down on her knees with her and they began to pray to Jesus and this woman started crying out to God help me God help me Jesus help me help me help me And in that moment, Rachel was able to minister to her and share with her the good news of of Christ, not just in theory, but in reality, and to say, look, we're going to be committed to helping you where you are. We're going to help you with this food issue. We're going to help minister you. And, And this woman accepted Jesus. She said, Jesus met me in that place. The commotion had created uh, quite a lot of attention and in effect the, the people, the owners of the establishment said hey you need to take this outside, you need to leave we can't have you doing all this right here and so they were getting this lady uh, Rachel was with this lady and they were getting her together and, uh, and they put her in the cab and, and Rachel said hey by the way what's your name? what's your name? And the woman said my name is Scarlett my woman name is Scarlett And so Rachel has begun this ministry. You can see here her picture and uh, the logo for her ministry, Scarlet Hope. And you can go online and you can see that uh, she's expanded from around the Louisville area to various other places seeking out to fulfill the calling that God's placed in her life. If we're going to talk about brave faith, if we're going to talk about seeing it in real life, the transformation that happens when we live by the Spirit, here's Scarlet Hope. Here's God's hope. And what do we see? We see that this woman did not see her faith as a means or something that was out of her personal fortitude, out of what she could do. No, she waited on the Lord because she knew that in order to have this brave faith, she would have to seek God. She would have to pour herself into Scripture. She would have to give herself to prayer and fasting. She would have to give herself to being faithful to what God had called her in the obvious, in the small, in serving in her church. But in aligning her life, opening herself up to the Spirit, She was inspired to brave faith. This is a season for those of us who are Jesus followers to really see come to life what it means to be the light in the world. But I encourage you to remember the story of Peter and the story of Rachel Starr and Scarlet Hope. And realize that if we're going to be difference makers in our community for God, it's going to have to come from answering the question in a very practical day by day, am I open to the Holy Spirit? And when you're open to the Spirit, be ready for the Spirit's prompt and be ready to step up in what He calls you to do even though you may be scared to death. Because we need a church not afraid. We need a church who not lives out in a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.